Hello, everybody. Sucre Aro here, and you're listening to Year of Blank, Year of Stories. Um, we are on our last episode for September. It is a a Thursday. Yeah, it's a Thursday. I forgot what day it was for a minute, like for a moment there. It is a Thursday. I am on break. I don't have school tomorrow or today. I didn't have school yesterday, but I decided to not record yesterday. I don't know why. I'm hoping to get three episodes done today. Can we not slip into slightly Scottish right now? I'm not actually Scottish. This is my normal voice. But sometimes I end up slipping into accents from either media I watch or just the rap brain wants to. And then I get stuck in them. My sister finds it annoying. But the thing is... It literally causes pain if I try to force myself out of his accent if I get stuck in it. So, anyway. Um, so I'm hoping to get everything caught up from what I need to do. I just... So it's for today, for tomorrow. That's like four hours of recording and I don't have to do it straight. So... I'm just going to jump right into it, because this is the last episode for September, and then I can make up October and choose the book for November tomorrow. Carrie vs. Olivia, Part 3. They wrap at sunset, having successfully completed two more scenes. As the crew packs up equipment and the actors use baby wipes to clear away the fake blood, Mona comes over. Hi, Olivia, she says, wrapping me in a quick hug before turning to Katie. And you must be the famed auteur of the Bad Decision Handbook. In the flesh, Katie says, sticking out her hand. I'm Katie. Mona. She pulls Katie into a hug, my heart beating fast with jealousy. When Mona pulls back, she clasps her hands together. You guys have fun? You sure picked the day for it. You definitely got to see some of the more exciting scenes. We left it, Jake says, briefly glancing to me. We all did. Great, Mona says. Let me just clean up, and then we'll all go to dinner. I hope you're hungry, because shooting all day makes me starving. Mona agrees to meet us at the restaurant, and the three of us drive to the Italian place off the highway that is a favorite of hers, as well as my parents. They see us at a table in the corner, and we wait for her, Katie to my right, Jake to my left. Beneath the table, his feet reach slowly, cautiously, toward mine, eventually resting against them, and again I feel a thrill of a thrill, an awe, that this is normal now. And then the carry part of me feels that other thrill, that I'm about to speak to a real horror director about my screenplay. I grab a piece of bread from a basket in the middle and pick at it with slightly shaking hands. You okay? Jake asks, squeezing the top of my knee. I nod, dropping the uneaten bread onto my plate and finding his hand under the table. Just excited for Katie, I say, but as Jake's hand squeezes mine, my mind can't help but spin. What if Mona says she hates it and wants to tell me everything that's wrong with it before I even think of showing it to anyone else? What if Katie flubs at everything and we both embarrass ourselves in grand fashion? I look to my right, but but Katie is dunking her bread in, in olive oil, apparently not nervous at all. That's when Mona walks in. She looks so normal in her black jeans and t-shirt. You'd never know she was a director at all. Jake moves to get up, but she brushes him off. Please, sit, sit. She says as she grabs a chair and peruses the menu. Can I get a glass of Pinot Noir? She asks the waiter the second the waiter comes over. Whatever you have that's driest. She turns to Jake. So you guys had fun? 
Jake nods, his hand not leaving mine. Thanks so much for letting us crash the shoot. Mona smiles. Anytime. I'm just glad it was when something exciting was happening. I'd have hated for you guys to see the day when the main character is sitting in her office for practically every scene. Katie clears her throat. What part of the movie were the scenes we watched from? Actually, barely near the beginning, Mona says. The inciting incident? Katie asks, making use of the of one of the terms I use I used to explain my screenplay yesterday. Close, Mona says. Actually, more of the break into act two. But I like the way you're thinking. The waiter comes with Mona's wine and, and details the specials, and for a few minutes, all, all talk of the shoot wanes as we explore the menu and put in our orders, Mona adding fried calamari for the table. So, Mona says, turning to Kate, Kate as soon as the menus are cleared. Jake told me about the bad decision handbook, but I'd really love to hear about it straight from the horse's mouth. Here we go, I think. Time to act. Time to act your heart out, Katie. I steal a look at Jake, and his eyes c connect with mine, his mouth stretching into a smile before turning back to his aunt. He's happy. Happy to be with me. Happy to be helping my friend. He leans in, voice low. Mind if I nerd out about horror a bit? I laugh. Of course not. Kate takes a deep breath and a, and a sip of water. Well, I got the idea because there are so many bad decisions people make in horror movies, right? And as I'm sure someone is seasoned as you knows. Mona nods. Oh, believe me, I do. To a certain point, characters need to make missteps to move the plot along, but some are just ridiculous. Exactly, Katie says. You know, splitting up when it would be much safer to stay together, leaving your one weapon behind when you go out to face the killer. Purposely enter in a bad situation, that kind of thing. But I thought, what if you could really call them out? Play off of them, you know? Kind of like Cabin in the Woods plays with place with all the different genres and tropes, Jake says. Mona nods. Exactly what I was thinking. Right, Katie says. Only I wanted to make only I wanted the characters to be really aware of what was going on. So I thought, if I can if I make it kind of meta, have the bad guy be a director using this whole setup for his next film, it would be a really fun way to explore those these tropes. My characters have to use what they know about the director's movies and horror movies in general to stay one step ahead. They make some bad decisions, of course, but it's all intentional. Like, what if one day you actually found yourself in a horror movie? Not in one of the settings of a horror movie, but the movie itself. How crazy would that be? Jake leans forward. It's really a brilliant idea, if you ask me. So fresh and original and just, I don't know, cool. That's why I wanted to tell you about it. Across from me, Mona takes a sip of wine, then sits it down, turning back to Kate. Turning to Katie. I agree with Jake. I have to say, these are very astute observations for an 18-year-old. Katie smiles. I'm actually only 17. Mona laughs. Even more impressive. I chuck on my water as Jake smiles. I know. Pretty brilliant, right? It's all going so well. Katie is pulling it off beautifully. And yet, I have to admit, Mona says, twisting her wine glass on the table. After Jake told me about it, I only had the chance to read a couple of scenes, but I can say this. Your ear for dialogue is fantastic, and you've got a great sense of pacing. Of course, you have learning to do, as anyone your age would, and as all of us do to a certain degree. But I really just recommend keeping at it. The best way to improve is to keep writing. Thank you, Katie says with a smile. Thanks so much for reading. Mona Dimmers. Oh, of course. Always happy to pay it forward. And I really do think the crux of your idea is special. I told you, Jake says. I told you it was a great idea. 
His hand is still in mine, but he suddenly feels far away. I know he's talking about me, the boy I like, like something I wrote, but it feels it feels again like that damn Dracula stage. Like I put in all the work and Katie is killing it with a, while I fade into oblivion. Katie smiles. I wanted to do something that was a classic killer scenario, but had a really strong psychological component as well. I mean, don't we all? Mona says. I feel like you used to get away with just slashers, gore for gore's sake, all that. Now, most horror movies that really take off are very smart and clever. It's a different world. On the plus side, there are more voices than ever, more stories being told by people who have been traditionally left out of the discussion. On the negative side, it can be very hard to, fu- to get funding for yet another movie about a killer that t- takes place in the woods. Mona shrugs. But this is the business we've chosen, I suppose. Katie beams. The Godfather. Yes, dear, Mona says. I can see you're well-versed in cinema, even outside of your genre of choice. The waiter brings out our food. Chicken parm for me, a steaming plate of spaghetti for Jake, steak for Mona, and a chicken Caesar salad for Katie. Katie digs into her salad. I mean, that's part of why I wanted to get into horror, you know, because there's so much crap up there, right? So much of the genre is just dumb. I cringe, shaking my head. Stop it, Katie. Just stop. I want to make smart horror, she goes on. You know, horror that's just as good as anything that Coppola could make. Jake lets go of my hand, twisting a bit of pasta on his fork. I've never heard you be so hard on horror, he says. Oh my god. This isn't part of the book, I'm just getting mad at Kate again. She's being so dumb, she pisses me off a lot. Like, yes, her her role in the story is to, like, sort of help Olivia get with the guy and keep everything, like, smooth and whatever. But she's making it way too much. She's overacting, as she said herself. And at this point, I really want Olivia to just stand up at the table and say that it was her all along. Just reveal it to everyone. Because she deserves that. Katie shouldn't be taking the credit for something that she worked so hard on. Even if she planned it, like... In fact, Olivia wanted to tell the truth, but it's Katie that's pushing her to lie. And that's making me even more mad. Because Katie's taking her own issues out by, like, pushing that onto Olivia. Because not all guys are going to be like Derek. Uh, Dexter. Was it Dexter? I don't know where it is, but I think it's Dexter. I should try and find it. What would Meryl do? decision handbook no that's right before i got started isn't it no i'm trying to find out if it was dexter or daryl or whatever i say is the name of the chapter of one of them sorry it's just taking a bit to try and flip back to it without missing it dexter yeah it was dexter anyway yeah uh sorry i'm just gonna start from the top of the page again so i don't because I got confused. I confused myself. Jake lets go of my hand, twisting a bit of pasta on his fork. I've never heard you be so hard on horror, he says. Yeah, me neither, I say. Maybe a little bit bitterly. She's getting it all wrong. I love horror because so much out there inspires me. Not the other way around. I'm just saying, Katie continues. I want to make the kind of horror that would attract an actor as serious as, say, Meryl Streep. Mona cuts her steak. Cuts into her steak, listening, and I hack away at my chicken parm, but I can tell she disagrees. 
There are certainly some bad stuff out there, she says finally. There's a lot of good stuff too. Tons of good stuff, Jake says, taking a bite of pasta. Of course, Katie says, before rattling off a few directors I plied her with yesterday. But what's interesting is that so much of it is one note, a creature feature or ghost story. It's important to add another layer, I think, to not do something that's been done a million times over. My knife drops to my plate. This is just too much. Oh, like other genres don't do the same thing as a million times over. I say, alright, to be totally honest, it comes out more as a snap. What do you mean? Katie asks. Bro, this is giving me so much anxiety. I don't even know. This is messing with my head. It's making me upset. Like, you know how if you get anxiety, then it's like a pit in your stomach? That's what's happening to me right now. This is... This is, like, messing with my head so much. I came in thinking this would just be a simple little, like, little drama story, but it's getting so much for me. Like, mate, I'm shaking in my corner over here. I'm not even lying to you. If I had a... If I was showing myself, you would see that my hand is trembling a little. Sorry, Jinx, he's messaging about, um, AP Bio. Uh, so I'm trying to split my attention. <laughs> um, sorry, where was I? What do you mean, Kitty asks. I take off my fingers. Rom-coms, family dramas, oh my goodness, boxing movies. People act like horror is formulaic, but it's really not at all. It's got some of the most inventive work in all, f in all the film. Jake laughs, but it comes out almost nervous. I told you there was a horror fan in there somewhere. <clears throat> he says, twist, sorry, uh, twisting together another bite of pasta. But I honestly, honestly didn't expect you to come around so quickly. I'm sorry, I say, hands dropping to my sides. It's just that everything she's saying is wrong. Mona nods. I have to agree with Olivia a bit. I do think the genre leaves the door open for more experimentation, not less. Traditional cinema has gotten less, gotten extremely formulaic, especially in recent years. And you didn't even mention superhero movies. Jake's eyebrows shoot up. Don't get me started on superhero movies. I can't help myself. That's why I think, with the Bad Decision Handbook, it's kind of honouring what's been done in horror, more than making fun of it. I say... It is making fun of it, though, Katie says firmly. She eyes me. All I got this. Just back off. For once, I don't care. I can't let her steal the straw. Not when it comes to this. Not when she's so wrong about everything I care about so deeply. Not like that, I argue, tugging at the bottom of my shirt. The intention was never to hate all over horror and be, horror and be snobby. Katie scoffs. It's my screenplay, remember? Perhaps I got the intention a little bit better than you. If you want to write your own, go ahead. But it's kind of like a photograph, you know, know what I mean? It's a reflection of the person. You can't just take someone else's and then suddenly have an opinion about it. Jake and Mona exchange a look of confusion. Then Jake sets his fork down and clears his throat. He scoots his chair just a little closer to mine. And under the table, he takes my hand in his, lacing his fingers through mine. It sounds like two sides of the same coin, if you ask me. He says, quite obliviously trying to keep the peace. Sometimes the only way to elevate a genre is to make fun of it, Katie says, pursing her lips. It's not about elevating the genre, 
I say. Horror doesn't need to be elevated. Nothing wrong with adding a little subtext, she snaps back. I shake my head. No, sometimes a monster is just a monster, like Jake said. Jake sits up straight in his chair and attempts to laugh it off. Hey, leave me out of this argument. Any more heat in a mona steak is going to overcook. He turns to me, forcing a smile, but I look away. I don't even have, to have time to focus on his cheese jokes now. Katie taps her fork on the plate. Well, that's not the sort of screenplay I intended to write. I shake my head, my heart drumming drum beats in my, in my chest tightening with anger. I can't take it anymore. I can't listen to this. That's because you didn't write it. There's silence, heavy as a corpse. I've given myself up. I've given it all away. Mona looks from me to Katie, staring, confused. Katie glares at me, taking in my look of embarrassment, of hurt, of shame. Then, in true show-must-go-on fashion, she, at least, attempts to pick up the pieces. I'm so sorry, she says with a light, bubbly laugh. Olivia's a great writer as well. She co-wrote a few scenes with me. As you can see, we can sometimes get a little combative when discussing our writing process. Mona bursts into laughter and motions to the waiter for another glass of wine. Oh, I've had similar, plenty of similar arguments with fellow creators. As all I can say is, it's so energizing to see two young, smart, and passionate horror fans. I can tell you are both going to go very far. Yo, she really like hated just at this. Mate, when I tell you this is pissing me off so much, it's the most idiotic idiotic situation like I think Olivia should really just tell Katie to feck off because Katie is being an arsehole my hand is shaking oh buffers and pH level sorry Jinxie's going off about their lab partner. And I'm going to send an update on my state from reading this book in the Discord server. Anyway, um... I feel a whoosh of relief, and I look to Katie, thankfulness in my eyes, but then I realize, suddenly, the emptiness in my hand. Jake has unlaced his fingers, let my hand go. He scooted scoot his chair back, too. I turn to him, wanting to apologize, to say I'm sorry, to explain, but when I see his face, I know it's too late for that. He's staring at me, jaws drop, eyes narrowed, as if he doesn't know me at all. I know it's sure that I've known everything, anything all summer. He's figured out my secret, and he hates me for it. Onyx, what do you want me to say? People make mistakes. They make, they take the wrong turn. They make stupid decisions. They hurt each other. Jimmy, not like this they don't. The Bad Decision Handbook by O. Knight. O. Knight. Have I been dumb this entire time? Sorry. I need to look something up real quick. Um, the Bad Decision Handbook. 
Ao Nine. No, this isn't an actual book. I thought this whole time that they were based in the little screenplay in an actual book, but the quotes they're putting in are quotes from the screenplay by Olivia, and now I sort of want this to be an actual screenplay or something. <clears throat> A quiet place. Jake is silent. Silent as we finish our meals, which I feel too sick even to touch. Silent as Mona insists on ham because, as she says, it's rare she gets a treat to bud and young horror writers to dinner. Silent as we say our goodbyes, as Mona promises to look us up next time she's in the city. Silent as he drives Kate, Katie and me back to my house. Tell your aunt thanks again, Katie says from the back seat. And I'll probably be leaving tomorrow, so, uh, bye. It was nice getting to know you. Better, at least. Jake doesn't turn around, only sits stock still, hands on his knees. If he were in that movie, the one I actually managed to drag Katie to the theatre to see because she's always thought Jim from The Office is cute. The one where you have to be super quiet lest the monsters get you. Let's just say Jake would be aces. I listen as the door shuts, watch as Katie heads inside. With the windows rolled up, I can't even hear the crickets outside. Outside of the musical trilling of the creek. We need to talk, I say, reaching out for Jake's hand, but he flinches, as if I'm the monster now. What can I say? Maybe I am. Maybe Katie was right all along, and it's all metaphorical. Perhaps nothing in a horror movie on earth can even even halfway compare us to betraying someone you care about, as I've done to him. I don't want to talk to you, he says stonily. I know, and I get it. I just want you to know. My, my voice trails off. I want you to know that I never meant to. Jake interrupts me. So you're Carrie. You've always been Carrie. I swallow, my chest tight. Only Carrie would defend the screenplay like that, he says. Tell me if it's not true. I'm the one who's silent now. I mean, I should have seen it, right? Jake says. Was that the test? To see how long it would take before I figured it out? Were the two of you just laughing at me behind my back? I shake my head, and I can feel my eyes glistening. What do you mean? No. The whole time, he continues, when Katie showed up, and then when we went to get burgers and ice cream, and when I took you to Bryson's party, all that time, it was just a big joke. Better than any of my bad jokes, that's for sure. You really went all out. No, it wasn't a joke at all. It wasn't like that. He grips the wheel so tight, his knuckles go white. I always knew something was off. She didn't sound like Carrie, even when she was going on about movies. She never sounded like... His voice goes quiet. She never sounded like you. I took at the elastic hair tie on my wrist, feeling it snap. As Carrie and Elm, we talked for so many hours, exchanged so many messages. How could I possibly have thought that, with the aid of a few flashcards and YouTube clips, Katie could fool him? She's a good actress. Maybe even she's on her way to becoming a great actress. But no one's that good. This isn't a role. It's real life. You know, I thought it was weird. A coincidence, I guess. When the shop in the Bad Decision Handbook seemed so similar to our place at Hunter Mountain. But I figured Carrie had just been to summer camp or whatever. I thought it was weird when I plugged Karen for you into IMDB and nothing turned up. But I thought I just remembered it wrong. You almost said Carrie, didn't you? You slipped. I nod. Yes, I slipped. And so I made something up. Jake sighs. It all fits together, but why? Why would you do that? Why would you take it so far? I didn't want to. 
I say, my voice wavering. But you did, Jake says. If you ever cared about me, even a little bit, why would you try to make me think she was you? My throat tightens, because even now it feels stupid. It's so embarrassing. I just... You just lied, he says, over and over again. It started out with such a tiny lie, as so many lies do. Like in a movie, where one action, one little decision leads to everything. Threatens to bring the whole house of cards down. My fingers shake with nerves. When you asked me to trade pictures, I got scared. Jake shakes his head. Why? I pick up a bit of skin around my nail. Because we had this great connection, but it was based on things we said, on movies and horror and just easy things. I thought if you saw my photo, you thought I wouldn't want to talk to you if you weren't, what, blonde? What kind of person do you think I am, Olivia? I got nervous, okay? You're so, so nice. You were this aura-loving nerd, and yet you looked like... I glance up at him. You looked like you. Meanwhile, I had this huge zip that day, and I just generally looked a mess, and then Katie sent me this selfie for no reason, like she does, and it looks so perfect. So I sent it to you. Just like that, he says. Maybe he doesn't get it. Maybe he's naturally braver or better than I'll ever be. But life is a series of just like that. You do stupid things. Or at least I do. Or I do, at least. Sending Katie's photo, not giving NYU a real shot. It's remarkably easy to make the wrong decision. To be a coward. Maybe that's why I love horror like I do. Because it's nice to see people who have no real choice have no choice but to fight. It's comforting to imagine that. If I were trapped in some sort of house with, with a ghost, I'd fight too. But I know now that, the, that real life is so much scarier than any shadow monster. Being close to people, being honest with them, not being afraid to fail, that's the scariest thing of all. I blinked back the moisture in my eyes. I thought it wouldn't matter because I thought I'd never meet you. And then I got here, and then this insane coincidence. You were here, and I didn't know what to do. You could have told me then, Jake says, shaking his head. I would have probably laughed about it. It could have been just another joke between us. I should have, I say. He turns to me, and for the first time, his eyes catch mine. Do you know what I would have said? I don't drop his gaze. What? He looks down. I would have told you you're too damn beautiful to be pulling shit like that. His words strike me, a sudden weight in my stomach. It's crazy, but even after the last few weeks, after the time we spent together, our hike to the waterfall, our kiss at Brighton's part, Bryson's party, I still thought that somehow I wasn't good enough. I was still finding reasons to be jealous of Katie's picture-perfect looks, still waiting for the other shoe to finally drop. I know it's stupid to feel this way. I know about the messages that magazines and fashion ads send us and all that. I know people like Chrissy turn photographs into something that isn't real. Impossible perfection you should never strive for. I know you have to love yourself before someone else can love you. But sometimes, when your boobs are growing faster than, you're, than you expected and your elbows feel all gawky and your legs are scratchy even though you shaved just the day before, sometimes it's hard to really believe it. I shake my head. I'm so sorry. We could have spent the last few weeks actually getting closer instead of you playing some stupid game with me for laughs. Jake says, stop talking more quickly now. Did you ask Katie to come 
to come up so you could play director or something. Really put your skills to the taste. No, I say. I swear, I never even knew she was coming. Did you make up the whole thing about NYU just because? I don't know. You're obsessed with lying? You were here with me the whole time, not doing some kind of program. You were the only one I was honest with about my writer's block, I say desperately. You're the only... Oh my god, my cat's in my room and she just did a thing where she crawled under my bed and came out the other side, like right by my foot. Scared the shite out of me. Now she's investigating my closet. Riley! Don't you dare go scratching my hamper! Hey! Get away from my carpet too! I will throw something at you! Psst! Riley! Get out of my closet! Get out of my closet! Thank you! It shouldn't have been that hard. Sorry. <laughs> Look, early before I started recording, I was like, you're gonna be nice, you're not gonna make me yell at you in the middle of my recording. And look at what she's doing. Just stay in your little quarter under my chair, thank you very much. Um, I'll see desperately. You're the only one I even shared the screenplay with. I was as honest with you as I could be. You're the one I trusted. That's some way to show it, he practically spits out. Spits it out. Just listen, I say. Jake shakes his head. I'm done listening to your lies. Get out of the car. My eyes will. Please? No, Olivia. Just leave me alone. Drama queens. Everything okay? My mom asks as soon as I'm inside. I can still hear the sound of Jake's car backing away. Fine, I say, hardly looking her way. Instead, I walk down the hall as quickly as I can and slip into my room. The tears spill over then. Tears for all that's happened, every lie and betrayal, but also for what Jake said. You're too damn beautiful to be pulling shit like this. Katie is on my bed, reading a book of monologues. She looks up, but she doesn't say anything, doesn't ask what happened or if I'm okay. Jake figured everything out. He's, I say, he's furious. Katie goes back to her book. What did you think was going to happen? Her words cut like a knife. Sorry, I thought you'd care that the guy I really like despises me now. Katie rolls her eyes. You're so dramatic. I shake my head. I can't believe she's acting like this. Oh, I'm dramatic. Katie tosses the book down. Yes, actually, you are. Say what you want about actors, but apparently Bud and screenwriters are an even more difficult bunch. More tears course down my cheeks but Katie doesn't stop what did you have to go why did you have to go and start this huge fight with me in front of his mom his aunt everything was going fine they totally believed the whole thing but you just had to butt in with your opinions you had to make it impossible for me to do what you asked me to do what you asked me to the fact that that woman doesn't think you're told in that is only because I swept in with an excuse about us co-writing I crossed my arms yeah well maybe I wouldn't have had to jump in if you Hannah completely hammed it up, going on and on with this pseudo-intellectual bullshit about adding layers to the genre or whatever. You always have to overdo it. You always have to take the spotlight, no matter what the occasion. Kitty scoffs. Oh yeah, I just love stealing the spotlight from you. I wanted to be forced to assume an, al an alternate identity when I came up to visit my best friend, who, by the way, practically begged me to come and save her from her awful summer. My hands ball into fists at my sides. What are you talking about? 
You loved it. I'm the one who wanted to tell Jake the truth in the first place, and you're the one who started going on about Dexter. You just wanted another role, but you couldn't have played it like a normal person. It had to be the Katie show. No wonder Miss Sinclair told you that you overact. Katie's jaw drops, and as soon as the words are out, I know how cruel and awful they are. I'm sorry, I say. I didn't mean... Katie interrupts me. Go ahead. Criticize my acting. Fine. Tell me I'm shit. Everyone else does anyway. You're not exactly alone. But whatever you think of me, at least I have the guts to try and go after what I want instead of just sitting on the sidelines waiting for stuff to magically happen. At least I'm not stealing my best friend's photo for no reason. That's not true, I say. Yes, it is. You totally... No, I mean it's not true about you. You're a great actress. Everyone knows that. I knew it from the first second of the Dracula audition. I was just being an ass. I'm sorry. Everyone does not know that, Olivia. And if you hadn't been so distracted and tied up in your own drama and machinations, maybe you would have thought to ask me why I just up and left my program like I did. But I did ask you, I say weakly. Barely. Jake seemed more concerned about why I'd left my program, and I don't even know him. He could actually see that I was upset about what happened there. She says, You made it sound like you didn't want to talk about it. And when has that ever stopped us from being there for each other? Katie snaps. Couldn't you tell that I was torn up about something? Couldn't you at least try to put it together that the last time I spoke to you, I was telling you about how the, about the auditions being posted, and then the very next week, I was showing up at your house? Shouldn't that give you a little pause? The awful truth is, she's right. Kate and I have always been there for each other, caring about and anticipating each other's needs in a way that only best friends can. Like on that last day of school, how I didn't have to tell her how embarrassed I was that everyone else had these amazing summer plans. She just swooped in and saved me herself. I've been so caught up in my own drama, I haven't even opened my eyes and really looked at my best friend. Not to mention... Katie goes on. In addition to having to save you from this mess you've gotten yourself into, I have to reassure you every turn while you play this pity card. It's easy for you to say. You're... I'm what, Olivia? Blonde? I have blue eyes? What? You're pretty, I say finally. Everyone knows that. So are you, with your curls and your big doe eyes and your boobs like twice the size of mine. You know that one of Dexter's friends told him I looked too basic after he broke up with me. You think you're the only one who's ever had to deal with self-esteem? We all do. Only the rest of us don't catfish our crushes. We deal with it. You're gorgeous, Olivia. It's not my fault you can't see it. I shake my head. It can't be that simple. It can't only come down to fear. It has to be easier for Katie. If for no other reason than that's the story I've been telling myself for so long. But what if she's right? What if the biggest dis difference between her and me is that she's willing to try to put herself out there, and I'm not. With the back of my hand, I wipe the tears from beneath my eyes. What happened? I ask, my voice soft. What happened with what? Katie snaps. With your program. She laughs bitterly. They posted the cast list. I was cast as, ready for it? Hounds person number three. Shit. I tried to ask the instructor what had gone wrong, but she told me that I should be happy with that part. For lots of people, we'd be thrilled just to be in the program at all. She told me that there's a whole world outside of community theatre in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Ouch, I say. Let's just say I didn't exactly handle it well. It seemed easier to leave than to grovel at her feet, making apologies. 
Plus, I didn't want to be townsperson number three. I don't care what she said about gratefulness. My parents are still freaking out about it. Are going to make me earn off the tuition money I wasted. I think the real reason my mom wouldn't even let me come here was so she and I would stop fighting. I sigh. I'm so sorry. Katie's face stiffens. Whatever, she says. No, really. I feel awful. Don't, Katie. I don't want your pay. I stare at her. I never meant to. Just stop, Olivia. If I never have to hear another one of your excuses, I'll be happy as a clam. Now, can you please shut out the lights? She asks. I want to go to sleep. My best friend turns over, away from me, not saying another word. Firestarter. There's only one way to describe work the following day. Horrible. The only thing I have to look forward to is Chrissy's visit, and even that feels tainted, because I have to explain to her that I didn't actually fess up to Jake, and instead, it all blew up in my face, in worse fashion than even I imagined. Jake normally doesn't work on Tuesdays, but because Bryson called in sick, he's rearranged his schedule with the internship. At first, I think that might be a good thing, giving us a chance to talk. Only when he comes into the check-in office, he goes so out of his way to avoid looking at me, he might as well be the girl in The Exorcist, twisting his neck all the way around. At lunch, I go out to my bale of hay, and though I see Jake walk past, he heads straight to the lodge, avoiding me completely. In the afternoon, when the place is fairly slow, I stare at my phone, trying to think of what I can possibly say to him. There are no texts from him, no messages on Reddit either. The Jake fully up, I don't even know how I would go about apologising. As Olivia, as Carrie, as both. The walkie dings, and I hear his voice. Jake here, sending a, send a guy down on the lift. He's too scared. Can we give him a partial refund? The walkie beeps again. Marianne here, approved. I push the button down. Olivia here, will do. Over and out. Not so long ago, Jake had gotten on that walkie and guided me through my first and only battle with Ropeland. He had asked, in front of everyone, whether I was coming to hang out at the falls after work. How did it all get messed up? So messed up so quickly. Oh, right, because of me. My bullshit. Just after three, Steinway breezes in, puts two elbows on the check-in counter and gives me a look. Her braids pinned up around her head like a crown. Tuesdays, right? I offer a weak smile. Yeah, I see. Tuesdays. She stares, not moving from her spot. What's going on with you? My cheeks go red, and once again, I feel like crying. Jake's in a horrible mood too, Jake adds. I focus my eyes on my screen, on the reservation list for the day's final group. Riley! I yelled at you once! Riley! Don't you dare! I know your little tricks. Second time I've had to yell at you. You promised me you'd behave. Don't you dare start fiddling with the paper! Riley! Riley! You son of a bitch! Riley! Don't make me throw something at you! I have a plushie and I'm not afraid to toss it! Riley, I swear to God, I'm holding it. I'm loading up. That's it. No, don't you dare start playing with the togepi! That's right. You sit under the chair. Sorry about that. Um, 
I focus my eyes on my screen, on the reservation list for today's final group, but Samway keeps pushing. Something off between you two? It was all sunshine and rainbows with you guys a few days ago. What can I say? I offer. Rainbows go in hand with rain, right? Samway raises an eyebrow. Are th- Seriously, are things okay? Maybe because she's always been so nice to me, or maybe because now that the secret's out to the person it matters to most, I don't feel like lying or evading anymore. But I tell her the whole story, from the online chats to the way I sent a photo of Kate to the surprise coincidence of discovering Jake was working here, and then the even bigger surprise that Kate was up here to visit. When I finish, Stanway stares at me, stares at me, shaking. I know, I say, it's awful. Damn, girl, she says, and I thought I was messing with romance. This is like the plot of a romantic comedy or something. I wish, I say. Those always have happy endings. Stanway laughs. So he's pretty mad? Won't you be? Stanway nods, a little gravely. I would indeed. This is a tough one. I mean, it's not cheating or whatever, but it might as well be. I finish for her. I know. She crosses her arms. Why did you let it go on so long? I pick up a piece of cheap linoleum counter. One that's about to come off. I don't know, because I liked it. I didn't want him to hate me for lying. So you kept lying. Hey, I never said it was logical. I didn't actually think anything would happen with us. This is embarrassing, but Jake was my first kiss. I didn't think we'd actually become something real. Nothing ever had before. Stanway taps on her braids. Look, all I have to say is, and I'm a few years older than you, and maybe I have more experience in the romantic department and all, but never, ever, ever be afraid of who you are, of what you look like, of who you like, okay? Because it never ends well, believe me. To my surprise, Katie picked me up after work that day. I didn't think you'd still be here, I say as I jump in, as I climb into the Subaru. I thought you'd have gotten my mom to take you to the train station after everything that happened last night. Riley, I swear to God! Stop messing around with everything! Yes, you are very cute, but that doesn't give me an excuse to disrupt me while I'm working. Please. If you want affection, just come over and like rub my leg or something and I'll pet you. But you can't keep doing this. Sorry, my cat keeps like messing with stuff she's not supposed to be messing with. Ah. Kate doesn't look at me, only pulls out of the Hunter Mountain parking lot, turning toward Woodstock. Don't get any ideas that everything's all good between us, okay? My mom texted me this morning, said that when I get back, we need to have a long talk about responsibility and following through on my commitments. I'm avoiding the reprimands and punishments for at least another day. I look out the window, watch the mountains roll by. I really am sorry. I don't want to talk about it, Livia. Chrissy is here now. Let's just pretend everything's okay. Come on, Katie, I say. Talk to me. She doesn't say another word the rest of the way to my house. Chrissy knows. That's the sense I get all the way through dinner, which we have on the porch. My dad grilling up burgers, my mom scooping out potato salad she picked up at the farmer's market. As Chrissy sips wine and regale, and regales us with tales of the advertising shoot she wrapped only yesterday, I'm sure of it. Chrissy knows something's off with me. Chrissy knows it all went down horribly. Chrissy can read me like a book. After dinner, Katie complains of a headache and retreats to my room, and when the dishes are done, Kate, Chrissy sidles up. Want to build a fire outside? I nod. Cam, Chrissy asked my mom, want to come out to the fire with us? Girls' night? 
My mom shakes her head. I'm deep into this new art history book, and I'm finishing it tonight if my life depends on it. Did you guys know that Picasso was once considered a suspect in the theft of the Mona Lisa? I bet he did take it, Chrissy says. The guy always seemed messed up. I mean, the blue period. Oi. Chrissy elbows me. Anyway, her loss. Grab the logs. I'm going to top off my line. Outside, the crickets seem to be going double time, and the stars are bright in the sky. It's a perfect summer night, the sort that make, the sort they make movies about. Chrissy's even here, which makes everything more fun. Only problem is my best friend is sitting in my room right now, furious with me, and the guy I like, he's furious too. All right, Chrissy says, pointing to the fire pit surrounded by stones, the one my dad and I made together when my parents first bought this house. Lincoln Logs, she says. You mean log cabin? I ask, referring to our fire building method of choice. Exactly, Chrissy says. Remember, you're the country girl here, not me. She sinks into one of those Adirondack chairs that surround the pit and sips her wine. It sure is lovely out here, though, I have to say. It's good to get out of the city for a bit. I arrange the logs carefully, adding kindling and the package of fire starter to the middle. With the, with the extra long lighter, I get it going. Immediately, it sparks to life, and I sit back, waiting for the kindling to catch. You're good at that, Chrissy says. I laugh. It's really not that hard. Chrissy tips back her wine. Well, I wouldn't know where to start, so I'm going to pretend like this, like it's this really specialized skill. I sit down in the chair next to hers. The kindling has started lighting now, and I slip my feet out of my sandals, reaching them toward the warmth of the button flames. Any celebrities on set? I ask. Oh, you know, she says, running through a list of models and B-list actors and the like. They're all people, too, when you get down to it. Just doing their jobs. Anyway, she takes another sip. How's that zipline company? Learning all sorts of new fancy outdoorsies. Outdoorsy skills and stuff. I lean forward, using an extra long stick to poke at the fire so it catches even better. If you can't check in, in people's reservations and ringing up t-shirts as outdoorsy skills, it hasn't been that bad. As outdoorsy skills, it hasn't been that bad, though. Much better than I thought it would be. Your mother always has something up her sleeve, that's for sure. She's usually right, though. Chrissy narrows her eyes. Anyway, more importantly, how's that boy? What happened with him? I remain silent, focus my eyes on the fire. Oh, shite, she says. It's nothing. You told him and it didn't go well. I actually didn't tell him, I say, shaking my head. But he found out anyway. It didn't go well is the understatement of the year. Chrissy sits up straighter in her chair. I'm so, I'm sorry, Olivia. Well, my summer's been eventful, at least. I'm definitely not wasting away anymore, I say quietly. Chrissy sets her glass of wine in the cup holder carved into the chair. Wait, what did you say? Wait, what did you say? Nothing, I say. No, really, Olivia, what did you say? My eyes tear up. I swallow, holding the emotions back, and look up at the stars instead. Did you hear a conversation between me and your mom? Chrissy asks. My vision blurs from tears. The stars blending together. Oh, Olivia, she says. I'm so sorry. I swipe up my tears with the back of my hand. It's fine. She was right. I was wasting away, just like she said. No wonder she's disappointed in me. No, Chrissy says. She's not disappointed in you. That couldn't be further from the truth. She adores you. Sometimes I think it will be easier for her if she would just accept I'll never be who she wants me to be. 
Then it wouldn't be such a drag when I keep disappointing her. Chrissy reaches out, resting her hand on top of mine. Olivia, she says, but I don't look her way. Olivia, I turn finally. What? I know it's true. Olivia, your mom and I have been angry and snippy with each other in some fashion, in some fashion sense since I was two years old. In some fashion since I was two years old. And in that conversation, what I really wish I, you hadn't had to hear, your mom was right. That I'm wasting away? I force a laugh. Thanks. Chrissy shakes her head again. No, she was right that as much as I love you, as much as you are one of the great blessings of my crazy little life, I'm not your mom. She is. I shrug. So? So she knows what's best for you in a way that I don't. And I know she didn't word it the best way because we don't always phrase things well about the people we love and care about. But I do think she was right about getting you that job. I understand now that it wasn't okay for me to question her like, like I did. Chrissy leans forward, taking my hand in hers. Olivia, she could not be happier with you. I know she can be particular, even difficult. I know she expects a lot, but you are her dream. You always have been. Believe me on that one. You, all of you, every misstep, every success, every part of you are exactly what she loves most about her life. I take a slow, steady breath. I want to make her proud of me, but sometimes it seems like she can only be proud of me if I'm perfect, and I get so scared I'm going to fail that I don't even want to try. Chrissy gives my hand another squeeze. She's already proud of you, Olivia. She's crazy about you. You've got that one in the bag. Trust trust me, whatever is going on in your life, good or bad, you can turn to me, of course, but you can turn to your parents too. Believe me, they're ready for anything you're going to throw at them. The Bad Decision Handbook, Part 4 My mom is still st sitting stretched out on the sofa in the living room when I walk inside. How's the fire? She asks, looking up. Good, I say. Chrissy's still out there. She smiles. I'm glad you guys are getting some time to catch up. I nod, shifting my weight from foot to foot. Er, mom, can we talk? Her eyebrows pick up. Immediately, she sets her book down. Of course. She pulls her legs back, making room on the couch for me. I sit on the edge. Is everything okay? She asks. I nod. Yes. And then, no. No, it's not. I turn to her and she's staring patiently at me. I haven't exactly been honest with you. My mom folds her hands in her lap. Her eyes don't betray even a hint of surprise. She nods, urging me on. Be in my you program. My words hang in the air, but my mom doesn't help me alone. Only waits. I told you I didn't get in, and while that's technically true, mum blinks a few times and unfolds her hands. It's more than that I didn't get in. I go on. I didn't even really give myself a shot. I waited until the very last minute, so what I did send in was just, was just kind of mumble-jumble. I basically sabotaged the whole thing. She stares at me. Then, after what feels like forever but can't be more than a few seconds, she smiles. I know that, Olivia. What? I ask, shaking my head in disbelief. How? I told you I was working on it like every day. I'm your mum, she says. I'd walk in your room when you told me you were working on it and see another horror movie queued up on your screen. I know to a point it was research, but no one needs to do that much research. But, but why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you just call me out on it? My procrastination and all that. 
I didn't want to pressure you. I thought you'd learn a valuable lesson if you didn't get something you really wanted. Maybe in a better lesson than you'd learn in an NYU program. Are you mad at me? I ask. Mad? For messing it all up? For not giving myself a chance? My mom laughs. Of course not. The things I put off in my day, the lies I told my mother, you don't even want to know. Much, much worse than saying I was working on an application when I wasn't. I know what I, what it's like to be scared to go after something you want. And I hope you understand that it's always better to give yourself a shot. When Marianne told me about the job, your dad and I really thought that getting you out of your comfort zone would be good. And we're so proud of you for following through and giving it your all, even if it's not what you wanted. Me too, I say, because even with all that's happened, even if Jake will never, ever speak to me again, I'm glad I'm spending the summer doing something I wouldn't have before. I'm glad she pushed me, and I'm glad I took the literal leap off that cliff. You don't always have to be so hands-off, you know, I say. I mean, I know I should get better at being honest with you and telling you things, but I don't care if you ask me what I'm up to every once in a while, or hassle me if you can see I'm messing everything up. My mum beams. You know, Olivia, you're right. Maybe I've been so afraid to pressure you that I haven't been as involved as I should. Let's make a pact to both be more open with each other. Deal. I do. I nod. Deal. I hesitate. In the name of openness. Her eyes widen. I wrote a screenplay, even though I'm not at NYU. Really? Like a whole screenplay? She clasps her hands together. That's what? Like 90 pages? Her eyebrows shoot skyward. 90 pages! That's amazing, Olivia. That's just, that's crazy. 90 pages! I feel myself blush. You're not going to like it, though, because it's a horror movie screenplay. Olivia, she says, playfully hitting me on the shin. Your dad and I like anything that you like, okay? We're not that old and fuddy-duddy, after all. I smile. Really? She nods. Of course. Thanks, Mom, I say. Any time, oh, and Olivia, in the name of more openness on my part, I've noticed that you and Katie, I don't want to talk about it. That's fine, she says. I just wanted to, you to know that friendships are important, and you have to take care of them, especially the good ones, like everything else. I stand up. Thanks, Mom. I give her a hug, and she holds me tight. I'm always here for you, okay? I know, okay. Back in my room, the lights are off, but I can hear, by the way she's breathing, that Katie isn't asleep. Is your headache any better? I ask. Katie scoffs but doesn't turn over. I don't have a headache. You know that, Olivia. Do you want to talk? I ask, my voice soft. Katie doesn't say a single word. I'm sorry, I say. I'm sorry for not being a better friend to you. I don't want to talk, Olivia, she says, to the wall more than me. I'm leaving tomorrow. It's fine. I know it's not, though. I get up from my bed and leaving the lights off, quiet as I can, I change into my PJs, head to the bathroom, brush my teeth and wash my face. My mum is no longer in the living room. My dad isn't in his office. In the kitchen, I grab a glass of water and through the windows, I see the fire still going. But to my surprise, my mum is walking across the yard, straight toward Chrissy. In the firelight, I can see Chrissy stand up and then, after a few seconds, they hug. For a long time. Ten seconds, at least. I don't know what my mom said, if she apologized to Chrissy or the other way around, or maybe they both did, but I'm pretty sure my mom took her own advice. Friendships are important, and Chrissy and my mom have been friends and sisters their whole lives. I return to my room, quietly grabbing my computer, and head into the living room.
Then I open Reddit to do what I need, what I know I need to do. I start a new message to Elm. Figured I'd start my apology here, because I've known you here the longest. Where to begin? I'll start with this. I always love talking to you. About movies, about your aunt, about what was going on in your life, in your day. I know we didn't really exchange a lot of specifics, and I like that too. It's not because I was trying to be someone else with you, but because I felt like I couldn't, like I could really be my- Riley, I swear to God! It's getting to an emotional moment! We're reaching the end of the book and you keep ruining it for me by messing around with rappers on my floor. I'm not getting up to free. I'm in the middle of something so you can just sit there. Or you can come over here and hop on my bed and be chill. As long as you don't mess with my laptop. Anyway. um, It's not because I was trying to be someone else with you. But because I felt that I could really be myself with you. I know that sounds stupid, but it's true. It was always me, and I was always trying my best to be real. When you asked for that photo, I freaked out. It was worse than any character in any horror movie. It was out of fair, but there's no excuse in it. It was a bad decision. And then, when I had already lied, it felt easier to let you think I really was going to the NYU program. When I heart- Riley, I swear to Christ! Stop it! Just stop! Please! For the love of God! Oh my lord! <clears throat> and then, when I had already lied, it felt easier to let you think I really was going for the NYU program, one I hardly even had a real shot at because I was so nervous about failing I kept putting it off. That was another bad decision. But the worst bad decision, again, worse than anything I'd, eh, I'd done before, was not telling you this crazy story as soon as I saw you here at Hunter Mountain. It was not trusting you to like me the way I am, even with all my quirks. For that, I'm truly sorry. I've always liked you. When I talked to you online, and even when I saw you in person, just the way you are, I should have given you the chance to like... Uh, what the fuck? I should have given you the same chance with me. Riley, I swear to God, stop messing with that paper! I will find something else to throw at you! And this time it will be a bigger plushie! Stop it! Anyway. For that, I'm truly sorry. I've always liked you. When I talked to you online, and when I saw you in person, just the way you are, I should have given you the same chance with me. Anyway, thank you for helping me figure all this out, even if you were an unwitting helper. I will never forget your encouragement from helping me to do that damn zipline to helping me finally write my screenplay. Thanks, and I'm sorry. Carrie slash Olivia slash the worst person ever. I'll read it over three times before I get the guts to hit send. Then I close out a Reddit and hit open up Google. Like my mom said, friendships are, impar are important, and I've got some work to do. What would Meryl do, part four? Katie tells us over breakfast that she's taking the 10 o'clock train. Just as I'm getting here, Aunt Chrissy says, between bites of her extra sugary cereal, the one my mum won't let us keep in the house. Katie smiles her Katie smile. I think I've imposed enough. Never, my dad says. Plus, between you and Olivia, we have a full range of movie knowledge for the crossword. By the way, he says, looking at me, what's a 12-letter word for badass? I raise an eyebrow. I don't know, Dad. 
I can feel a joke coming in three, two, one. Screenwriter, he says. I feel myself blush. Seriously, Olivia, Mum told me this morning. I'm so proud of you. I mean, completely on your own. It's amazing. You're a rock star. Your mum told me too, Aunt Chrissy says. And I gotta say, I told you that I told you you didn't need that bougie at school. You're an inspiration all on your own. It's not that big of a deal, I say. Katie takes a sip of orange juice, then adjusts herself in her chair and looks right at me. It is, Olivia. It really is. The two of us are quiet as Katie loads her bags into the Subaru. My mum drives, and we get to the station a few minutes early. I'll hang out with you on the platform while you wait, I say. You don't have to do that, Katie says. Hey, it's fine by me, my mum says. In the rearview mirror, I see her not so discreetly wink. Thanks again, Mrs. Knight, Katie says. Any time, Katie. Please come up again soon. I grab Katie's backpack while she takes her suitcase, and we walk, quietly, up the stairs and onto the platform. It's a slow day, and only a couple of other people are waiting for the train. Katie sits down on a bench and looks at me. It's okay, Olivia. We don't have to talk about it. I'm just disappointed in myself. I couldn't cut it, cut it in the program. I couldn't even play Katie Carey without overacting. It's stupid, but it's cool. I'm not even mad anymore. I shake my head, reach into my pocket, and pull out my phone. Oh my god, did you write some sort of speech? And you think I'm the dramatic one? Jeez. I ignore her and clear my throat, reading off the notes I, jo- I jotted down late last night. Scarlett Johansson was overlooked for a role in Jumanji. She lost to Kirsten Dunst. Marilyn Monroe was told she should be, no joke, a, se- a secretary. Malia Michelle was told her nose was too big. Kara Knightley was told she couldn't act. I scroll down on my phone. Okay, this one's especially bad, but Carrie Washington was fired from two pilots because she didn't seem hood or urban enough. Sally Field was told she wasn't good enough to get into film. And here's maybe the best one, one I'm sure you already know, but Meryl Streep was told she was too ugly to be in King Kong. I still look up, and Katie's looking at me, the corners of her mouth creeping into a smile. You looked all that up for me? I smile right back. I looked all that up because everybody gets rejected and some stupid casting director at some stupid new school program doesn't know what they're missing. You care about this more than anyone I've ever known. And unlike me, you have never been too scared to go after what you want. That's something. Not everyone has that drive. Her smile is wider now and I catch a sheen of moisture in her eyes. In the distance, a rushing, whooshing sound. The feeling of movement beneath our feet. The train is approaching. I love you, Olivia, Katie says, wrapping me in a tight, fierce hug. I love you too. The train pulls up and we break apart. I can't wait until you're back in Brooklyn again. The next time we see each other, she says, she beams. I'll even let you pick out the movie. Friday the 13th. On Friday at 11am sharp, I enter the check-in office with a racing pulse. It's been two days since I sent Jake my apology message and I haven't heard a word. I haven't seen him either, given what he was at given that he was at his internship yesterday. Marianne is in the office, rifling through the cabinets, and Tennyson is at the counter, counter, looking at his phone. I clock in and get onto my computer. The place won't pick up for another half hour, when the Newton group checks to, needs to arrive, needs to check in. Jake will be arriving at any moment. I know he probably won't so much as look at me, and I don't blame him, but still, I can't help but keep glancing out the door. Olivia, I hear behind me. A turn, Marianne is staring at me, like she's been waiting for an answer for a few seconds, at least. Distracted, are we? I know it's Friday, she lets out a laugh. And Friday the 13th, no less. 
Sorry, I say. No worries. I only asked if you need you if your walking needs batteries. I'm putting in an order today. I click the button and it beeps to life. I think I'm good. I turn back around and there he is, walking through the door. Jake's eyes briefly catch mine, but he walks behind the counter as quickly as he can, tossing his things into a cabinet and loading up on carabiners. There's so much I want to say, but I can't. I've already said it. Sent it via miss via missive straight into his right editing box. If he doesn't want to hear it, I can't make him. That is right. I feel the weight of disappointment wash over me, but there's nothing I can do. I've made my bed. I've dug my grave. It's time to crawl right in. It's Friday the 13th anyway. Nothing good is supposed to happen today. Sure, there's no Jason waiting in the woods of Camp Crystal Lake, but I don't need a praise killer. I've done enough damage for one movie on my own. I pretend to be engrossed by my computer screen, and only when Jake is no longer there does the full weight of what I've screwed up, what I've lost, hit me. Trouble in paradise, Tennyson say. Tennyson asks. I don't want to talk about it, I say. You know Ten always treats the ladies right, he says. I've rolled my eyes, but his voice goes serious. I'm sorry, whatever happened, Tennyson says. I can tell you guys really liked each other. I hope you can work it out. Me too, I say, even though I know there's no way we can. 11am crawls to 5 past, then 10. I wipe down the counters, organising the t-shirts and the other gear we, we sell in the shop. Back at the desk, I check the time, 11.35. And then, like, mas- like magic, like delicious, amazed and relief. A, a message, a reply on Reddit, from L Street Nightmare 84. With shaking hands, I tap it open. The worst part of it all is that you do, is that you were afra- so afraid of being you. You didn't believe in yourself, and that sucks, because I think you're awesome. P.S. Happy Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th, part two. My hands shake, hovering over the message. He's right. I was afraid of being me. I didn't believe in myself, but there's something else there, too. He thinks I'm awesome. Can you cover me? I ask. Huh. Tennyson looks up. Just for, like, a couple of minutes. On Trouble in Paradise? He asks. Can you? Anything for love? Tennyson says with a smile. Thanks. I rush around the corner, through the hallway, and out the back doors. It's sunning out. The light temporarily... I am recording... Recording your podcast in the Scottish accent, my dude. What the fuck? <laughs> my sister's at the door. She just got jump scared by the cat. I didn't know she was here. Dude, did you not hear me yelling at her? Why do you think the togepi's on the floor and the kick black the bear? Why did you kick my togepi? Go give it affection. Go give it affection. That was affection. No, it was mean. No, don't squish it. Give it head pads. Hello. Thank you. Bro! <laughs> oh my lord! Can you get the black bear too? I'm not going to say the name because I named it when I was a kid and it's sort of fucked up. It's kind of racist. <laughs> I'm not the only kid who's done that. Oh, anyway. What I was trying to tell you last night, um... I am not- I can't take you seriously right now, bro. Hang on, I'm pausing this podcast recording. I have to explain the accent thing to my sister because she always gives me shit about it. Uh, anyway. Um. It's sunny out. The light temporarily blinded. The air warm and thick. I turn left, running quick- Running quickly toward the ski lift. I don't have much time. Soon, the first tour group will be here. 
Cora is there, reading a book. There are only a few people in line. I need to go up, I say. Why? I shake my head. I just do. She shrugs. Go ahead. Then she blows her whistle. Hold the line. I rush up and, and wait, heart racing as the seat comes around on its conveyor. It hits the back of my legs and I sink against it, the ground leaving my feet and the lift deftly sweeping me up. Fingers tingling, I pull the bar down. It's only the second time I've used a lift. I tend to look down and my stomach flip-flops, but I remember what Jake said. Don't look down, only up. And that's what I do. As we climb up the mountain, as my feet dangle, I look up at the sky, blue and barely clouded and perfect. I look inward, too, because I'm not going to be afraid to be myself anymore. I'm not going to be afraid to take a chance. Even if it doesn't work out, even if you get cast as town person number three or Dracula stagehand, it's still important to know you tried, to know that you can get right back up and try again. I reach the top and I lift up the bar. My feet hit the ground and I don't hesitate to walk toward the beginning of the zipline course. Stanley sees me first. She's standing with a pile of harnesses and helmets, ready to hook up our next group. What are you doing here? She asks. Is everything okay down in the office? I nod. Where's Jake? I need to talk to him. She points to the top of the course, about 100 feet away. He's about to zip over to the next checkpoint. That's where his part of the tour starts. Jake, I call, but he doesn't turn around. He's got his earbuds in, she says. I consider using the walkie, but then everyone will hear. I watch as he reaches up, looking his carabiner to the zipline. Harness me up, I say suddenly. What? I need the harness, I say. Why? She, she says. I'll explain later, please. I thought you didn't like heights, Sangway says, but she grabs the harness anyway. Is this some kind of forced immersion thing? I ignore her question, stepping in as quickly as I can and helping her tighten everything up. She tugs on a few poles. Out of the corner of my eye, I can see Jake's still standing there, his clip hooked on. Good, I ask. Stanway tugs on it a couple more times. Good, she says, handing me a helmet. Thanks, I say, breaking off into a run as I pull my, the helmet on and clip it tight. Wait, she says, but I'm not stopping now. Uh-oh. Sorry, um, I run half loose in my breath toward Jake, but before I get there, I see him step off the ledge, disappear along the zip line into the woods. I run faster. In mere moments, I'm at the jump off point. I don't hesitate. I don't let my fear take over. Most of all, just like he said, I don't look down. I grab the carabiner and hook it onto the line, tugging on it to be sure it's secure. Then I take two steps and I'm flying, rushing through the trees, just like the that first day. I look up, see the sky, and it's so beautiful, and I promise myself this, I'm never going to let myself be too scared to take a risk. I'm flying and rushing, but then, suddenly the line is buckling, slowing me down. Like the weight of both of us on here at once is too much. I see, I behave that Jake is slowing too, moving backward now, flying toward me. Oh my lord, I'm sorry, I'm reading a bit ahead and this is just chaos because Olivia was being an idiot. No offence to Olivia, you know, but... Friday the 13th, part 3. What the hell is going on? Jake calls, twisting his body to look back at me. Watch out! There's no way to stop what I put in, mo in motion. We crash into each other, his back smashing against me. Our bodies ricocheting like two pendulums. 
There's a screech of metal as we jolt apart and then come together again, his back against me once more. The weight of both of us buckles against the, buckles the line. Dick reaches up, grabbing the zip line, using it to twist his body around so he's facing me. I grab onto his shoulder so he doesn't turn back around. Are you hurt? He asks. I smacked right into you. I shake my head, a little shocked. I didn't expect it to go quite like this, but still, I'm okay. I'm not sure, I say. I mean, I'm not hurt, I say. Just a little jolted, I guess. Jake's eyebrows scrunch up. What were you thinking? He's, he asks. I interlace my hands behind his back so he won't flip around. Our bodies hang there together, practically swaying in the breeze. I wanted to show you I'm not afraid anymore. His eyes widen, and this is how you do it. I grimace. It was going to work better in my head. I just saw your message, and I thought, I don't know. If we could just talk, I could explain. I'm so sorry for everything. You are right. I didn't believe in myself, but I'm trying to change that. I'm sorry I lied to you, and I'm sorry I wasn't myself from the very beginning. Jake stares at me a moment, and it's like he's making a decision. Then his arms wrap around my shoulders, and I can't tell if it's because he forgives me or if there's just nowhere for them to go, the way we're smushed together like this. I know what you mean, he says finally. It's easy to want to make yourself look cooler online. The truth is, I took ten, pic ten photos before getting the one I sent to you. I shake my head. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. He nods. I did, but you shouldn't have had to do that. You're perfect the way you are. He smiles. I can say the same thing about you. His head tilts toward mine, and I look up at him, and suddenly his lips are on mine. His kiss is soft, then stronger, and his arms tighten around me as mine clutch tighter to his waist. I kiss him back, because no matter what happens, where the future takes us, whatever, we're all, whether I'll even get to see him again after this summer, or whether we'll go back to chatting on Reddit like we've done for so long, I know one thing, I'm not afraid anymore, to be myself, to go for what I want, to fall in love. Even if it is messy and scary. Jake pulls back and his eyebrows raise. I twist my head around to see Steinway calling to us. What the hell do you think you're doing, Olivia? The tour is supposed to start any minute. It's going to take forever to get you both done. I turn back to Jake. This was a bad decision, wasn't it? He nods. Worse than any character in any horror movie, that's for sure. I grin, then kiss him again. What can I say? I pull back. It is Friday the 13th. Acknowledgements. An enormous thanks to the many, many people who made this book possible. First, a huge shout out to Anne Hetzel and the entire team at Amulet Books. Thank you for incredible editorial guidance, patience, and for indulging my horror-loving lo heart, even when it comes to writing romance. And to Haley Wagreach, Sarah Chandler, Josh Bank, and the Aloy family, you are plot and character masters, and this book would not be what it is without your leadership and know-how. To Daniel... Chiote, Michael Stearns, and all of the upstart crew, many thanks for years of dedication, advice, and passion. This book certainly would not have been possible without two things, Reddit and horror movies. Thanks to my husband, Thomas, for introducing me to the world of Reddit, in addition to providing invaluable first-hand knowledge about the inner workings of a film set. And to my horror movie lovers, I could not have done this without, without you. Thank you to Julia and Andrea Bartz for creating the horror movie Google Doc and getting frustrated when I failed to update it. 
It's an incredible resource. Thank you to my sister, Kimberly, for watching all those Friday the 13th movies with me in high school. And to my dog, Farley, who snuggled up by my side for many a binge watch. To my parents, thanks for always supporting me and encouraging me to do what I love. Oh, this to you. Finally, to the shop around the corner and you've got mail. You gave me so much to riff on. Thank you. And that is the end of Happy Messy Scary Love by Leah Conan. Leah Conan. I always forget her name. That's sort of messed up, but it's true. <clears throat> so that is the end of September. I have three more episodes I want to record today. Not all at once, you know, but... Oh, sorry. I just noticed that Jinxie sent a message. Yeah. I'm going to reply to that. Sorry, they're rattling about their AP bio part partner. Um, I'll take care of that after I finish that recording. This recording, I mean. Um, honestly, I'm glad everything worked out in the end. It was getting me so mad. Like, it had me to a point where I was shaking. And normally, like, books don't typically do that to me. You know? Like, it was really messing with me. But anyway, thanks for listening to this and dealing with my Scottish accent. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoyed the book. I'm sorry that everything's been so late recently. I don't know what's going on that they've been that late. But I'm working on catching up and I'm hopefully I'll be better next year. Um, thanks for listening to this episode. Can't wait to vibe with you next time. Remember to drink, wa- drink water and fuck bitches. Bye.